This is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us podcast. We're glad you're here. We're having a series of conversations about life and leadership and the kind of culture that we want to create around here at Family Church. We believe that these are leadership principles that you can glean from as you lead your church or organization. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. As always, we are high atop the Family Church headquarters, looking down on all of West Palm Beach with a great view from the third floor. Leslie, why don't you introduce today's guest? Sure, I'd love to. Today we have with us Pastor Aaron Philippone and Pastor Robbie Christmas. So Pastor Aaron's at our Family Church in the Gardens and Pastor Robbie's at Family Church in the Farms. And we chose them because we think that they're probably great motivators. And today we're talking about being a motivator And I say that because somehow these two gentlemen motivated their wives to marry them, and they have beautiful wives. They do. (laughs) And they both have four great kids, and they're motivating their kids to follow Christ, and so we love having them here. So, Robbie, why don't you tell us what we mean when we talk about being a motivator? Yeah, sure. So, a little definition we have here is inspire your team to do greater things. Mm -hmm. So, here's the thing. Like, most of our teams know we're supposed to do things. We got stuff to do. We got stuff to do. That's why we're a team. But there's a big difference knowing there's stuff to do and wanting to do it. And so as a leader, part of what we're trying to do is help people want to do the things that we really all know we're supposed to do. For example, right now, I'm really hungry and I'm feeling some hunger pains. I'm actually pretty motivated for a Chipotle burrito. Um, I really am. But, But it's not my knowledge that my body requires food to function that motivates me. It's actually that hunger in my gut that's motivating me. So somehow we're trying to help put a little spiritual hunger in someone's gut to make them want to do the things that God has called us to do. And so we've got some biblical foundations that we think are important. Proverbs 29, 18, uh, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. So that prophetic vision there, Mm -hmm. that's very motivating to know. Seeing the future. Yeah, seeing the future. This is where we're headed. This is what we're working toward. This is what we want to do. And then John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. You talk about casting a vision. Mm. That's motivating. I mean, I think any pastor, ministry leader I've ever talked to that references that verse kind of gets quiet afterwards. Yeah. They kind of get humbled by by that thought. But like those words are so motivating to us as his followers. Yeah, no doubt. And the idea that Jesus would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, empower us as the global church of Jesus Christ to do greater things than Jesus did when he was on the earth. Man, that's a pretty big vision, isn't it? That's wild. And we ought to get motivated to do it. Now, we have come up with some kind of practical steps, some ways that we can motivate people. And so, Aaron, why don't you kind of kick us off with these first of these practical steps for motivating? Yeah, these are handles that will work in any church, any organization at any size. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about all of these is they're free. Okay, yeah. so, so the first one is we want to consistently and constantly cast vision. So every leader knows vision leaks. And you have to constantly keep the vision in front of people. And uh, a leader that throws a vision out there and just expects it to stick and carry through on the first attempt is fooling themselves. They have to keep it in front of the people Uh all the time. So anytime you have a leadership meeting, anytime you have a gathering, keep the vision in front of them. And just like Robbie said, 
Without a vision, the people perish. They don't know where they're going. They get cloudy. They can't see the future. So you have to constantly keep the vision in front of them, keep it concise, keep it simple and clear, and remind them where you're taking them. Yeah, I think that's such an important point, Aaron, the consistency of it. And that vision has to be cast repeatedly over time because uh, so, so many times we hear leaders, in our, even in our organization, say, you know, I, you know, why didn't this happen? And they'll say, well, I told them. I told them, yeah, but yeah, but telling them and actually casting vision and motivating someone to get that hunger in their gut. That's two different, two different things for sure. What's your next step, Robbie? Yeah. So strive for goals that transcend the predictable results of talent and effort. I almost feel like I need to read it again. I remember the first time I heard you say this, listen, strive for goals that transcend the predictable results of talent and effort. And what was so convicting about it, I think the first time I heard this was, you almost had to admit, oh, gosh, I think that's all I've been going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all I've been motivating my team for is things that we could probably accomplish on our own. But you, you have to strive for something bigger than that. And I think if you if you connect to the bigger story, you'll start getting there. Mm-hmm. If you think about the vision that God has already cast for us, the calling that he's already put on our lives, it forces you to strive for something bigger than what you can accomplish. And so to truly motivate people, I think we have to, yes, we're doing stuff. Like we got a team because we want to accomplish stuff, but we have to connect it to that bigger story. This is what God has been doing throughout all of history and what he's calling us to do to be part of it. And if we're going to be part of that, it's going to have to go beyond what we can bring to the table. I think that's very motivating. Yeah, I think it is too. And this idea that the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is powering this thing forward, you know, And uh, that kind of brings us to the next practical step, Aaron. That's right. Number three, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor in vain. So number three is commit to fervent prayer and rely on the power of God to advance our mission. We are in church work. And so far be it from us to try and do this in our own efforts. We constantly rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are fervently seeking the Lord and his vision. And uh, that's what motivates us is by seeking the Lord and having his plan for his church. Yeah. Now, Leslie, the leadership of the Holy Spirit in prayer is kind of a big part of your kind of emphasis as a Christian, part of the things that you help us emphasize in our organization. And uh, at Family Church, we're surrounded by really talented people and people who are just really excellent doers. Mm -hmm. And yet, because we're doers, it's easy for us to sort of rely on our own duology mm-hmm. instead of relying on the spirit. And I wonder if you'd like to comment on that just sort of importance of leaning into the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, even if you're a pretty talented doer. I know it's always a challenge. I think the more talented of a doer you are, sometimes the more challenging it is because you do think you can do a lot on your own and you are accomplishing a lot on your own. So to really remind yourself and remind those around you that there is a a bigger picture, a greater goal. And I think you do this really well, Pastor Jimmy, as we talk about that, I think about your vision of planning a hundred churches, right? So 2011, you said we're going to plant 100 churches. Well, that seems like a goal that's it's not attainable to us, but we still feel like we're on our way there. We're going to we're doing this. We're going to plant right. these 100 churches. And so sometimes just casting that vision out there that is a stretch goal for whatever thing that you're doing, it does allow us to realize, OK, we can't do this ourselves. We do have to depend on God. We have to seek his face. And um, we just did seven days of prayer here at Family Church and looking for ways, again, practically to remind people that we are relying on prayer and the Holy Spirit to move this thing forward. We're not just trying to do it ourselves. 
Yeah, and I think look, Robbie said it's so great too, connecting it with a larger story and an older story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't something, just some cockamamie plan that we've just come up with. The idea of starting new churches and doing evangelism under the power of the Holy Spirit, that was the plan from the time Jesus ascended to heaven. You know, you'll be my witnesses all over the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Robbie, what's our next uh, practical step? Yeah, so then we've got clearly communicate the why. Um, clarity is so huge for motivation. So we talked about the big picture. I feel like it's got to connect to the big picture, but it can't stay big picture. It's got to connect to the big picture, but at some point it gets down to what we're actually doing right here. And so clarity is huge, but the the why is that is that bigger story. And it's understanding I, the reason why it's important for me to lead a team that's going to greet people as they walk in is because God created me in his image, right? So you can make those connections. Like it is the bigger story and it is this spot on this day at this door for those people. So the why I think is is huge for people and the clarity that we provide for them will be motivating or the lack of clarity will be demotivating. Yeah. Demotivating. I, this one always hits home with me. One time I heard a saying, if people don't know why, the cost is always too high. Mm-hmm. So right. people, unless, point. yeah, it's a good saying. Leslie's like a rapper, man. Yeah. That's right. I should write a song. But I just like that because I'm, I mean, that belief and that, like you said, from the gut motivation is so important. I mean, if you're not motivated from the gut, you probably are going to give up. Mm-hmm. And people want to understand the why. And we have to show them the why and help them connect those dots as leaders. I feel like that's a big part of what we need to do. Yeah. And not only that, you know, a lot of times in a church organization like ours, people think that the only people who really should be motivated are the people who get the most attention from the platform. But in an organization like ours, we have people like in the room right now. We have Dwight over here working on a camera. We have Justin, who's our engineer. And everybody's got to understand the why or else they're not going to do what they do because someone's picking up trash and someone's changing out the trash can liners and someone's cleaning the bathroom stall and someone's turning the knobs on in the in the sound booth and someone's preparing slides for the screens. And if everyone doesn't understand the why... How are they? It's easy to see why people who get attention are going to get motivated because part of what motivates us is we like attention. Mm -hmm. But what about the people who are having to work super hard and they're going to get no recognition or attention if they don't know the why? You're never going to get them to do it. Mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful. All right, Aaron, what's our next? What's our next step? Number five, work hard. Play hard. There so you go. We, what have you been doing today, Aaron? <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> so we uh, we have some of the most talented people in the on the planet working here at Family Church, and they serve their guts out in so many ways for their church and for mm-hmm. the mission of God here. But they love to have fun together too, and that's one of the special things that happens here. Is uh, some of my greatest moments and memories of just fun happen with the people on our team. Right. And so, you know, when we can, we share meals together and on days off and when we have time off, we go to the beach together and mm-hmm. we go to escape rooms together and we do fun things together. And uh, talent show, a, yeah, talent show, competitions, <laughs> yeah. March yeah. Madness, trophies, yeah. all kinds of things just to create a fun environment. And uh, man, there's just nothing, nothing like it when you can have fun with the people that you love doing what you love. It just makes it so much better. Yeah. And I even think like yesterday. So yesterday, our um, our security team and our maintenance team had a tailgate party. <laughs> and so they were all walking around because I saw I saw Kim Wells, who's in charge of that team. And she walked around yesterday. And she had a C- Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, yeah. C- Seahawks uh, shirt on. And I was like, uh you know, we're about as far away from Seattle as you can get and be on this continent. So, you know, what's up with that? She goes, oh, this is my team, which I don't really believe that. I don't know if she just found that shirt. But anyways, (laughs) this is my team. 
And I said, well, okay, but like Leslie said, well, why are you wearing, you know, why are you wearing that shirt? Oh, it's tailgate day. And then I looked around, a lot of our team had mm-hmm. team, and man, I could smell that food cooking. Yeah. And I just love that this That's work good. hard play hard. They had a huge thing. party down there. They I did. mean, yeah. they fed the whole worship team too, because they had leftover hamburgers. I went down there and everybody was eating and everybody was having a party. So they might have had it for their team, but everybody got everybody in. Everybody wants it. to be on at Kim's family team. Church. Now. Yeah. They spread the party around. They're gonna get in on the fun, believe me. And I love going on the second floor is where we have a lot of our you know worship and creative people and I go down there often and it's pretty much a party happening let me just tell you they they play their music they sit around <laughs> together they create things um, but they're having a really good time doing it and I love that yeah. Dwight and Justin they're at the they're at the center of it man <laughs> they are the party animals no yep. question all right Robbie uh, that kind of number six kind of yeah, goes along. It goes in. It? So have fun and laugh a lot. So obviously we're doing that right now. And it really is a part of the culture here. And that's so important. Like, I don't think I'd make it if we're not laughing a lot. I really wouldn't. And it's, I'm serious. I wouldn't do it. And we're not laughing with you. We're laughing at you. <laughs> oh, that's, do no, don't worry. People, Believe me, we do people have clarified often. That is what's happening. They're laughing at me. And I'm, and I'm good with that to be honest. I, I, unfortunately, I, apparently provide a lot of opportunity <laughs> for that. Thank you. Like, yeah, no, I'm here to serve. I'm okay. here to serve. So, well, you do. You have to have fun and laugh a lot. But here's here's why I think some of the depth of that is um, it's an opportunity for deepening relationships. And we're not going to motivate people that don't know that we care about them. So as much fun as the laughter is, there's a, actually a really deep gospel piece of this, which is genuine care and connection. And uh, what's that trite saying? People don't care how much you know until... They know they how know much how you care. How much you care. Yeah. And like, there's a reason we all know how to finish that sentence. As cliche as it is, there's a lot of truth to that. Sure. And so the, the work hard, play hard, and the have fun and laugh a lot together really provides some of that opportunity for deepening relationship. Because I, so I, I think motivation is not just uh, propositional. It is personal. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the, the, the fact that our culture sets up these opportunities for the laughter and the fun um, is how it becomes personal. Mm-hmm. Like people don't want to, don't just want to follow somebody who said all the right things and, and you know, dotted the I's and crossed the T's. They want to follow somebody they know cares for them. And so these contexts provide opportunity to communicate that care in a fun way. And I think that's extremely motivating. Yeah. And I think also it just goes to really emotional um, connection and uh, to laugh a lot. It's one of the ways, but I mean, if you think about the times when you have the the most memorable times you've had with people close to you, you're usually either laughing or crying, <laughs> right? You're crying together or you're laughing together. And so it's easy to remember. Remember the time when we were all, this happened and we all just died laughing. Okay. We can remember that for years. Likewise, when we're crying, remember that time when we were together because this happened in your life or because this happened on our team and and we don't forget that. So there's this emotional Great connection yeah. that's part of motivating everybody. And when we feel that together, it's a lot easier to get excited about the work that we're, that we're doing together. All right, Pastor Aaron. All right, number, what number are we on here? Uh, seven. Number seven? <laughs> I, I wrote my numbers down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recognize the hard work, efforts, and successes of individuals. Uh, we do this in several different ways. Um, we highly value education. So when somebody gets a degree, when they've advanced themselves personally, we want to recognize that and promote that. Uh, when someone uh, hits a personal milestone, when they've achieved something, we want to celebrate that as a team. Um, everyone loves affirmation. Yeah. The people on your team, whether they're volunteers or paid or bivocational, they they are in this because they love the Lord, they love their church, and they love you. And uh, man, affirm them. Uh, you know, let them know what they're doing really well, and recognize that and celebrate that when you can. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't. This is not a factor of the size of your organization or the size of your budget. Like 
one of the things that we do, and tell them about HR Day. Oh, I yeah. think HR Day <laughs> is something that like any church of any, a church, mm-hmm. a team of three could do it. Yeah. So once a month, we gather together for our entire staff and we have a little worship time together. We sing a couple of songs. We pray together. And then uh, we have a guy, Pastor Keith Albert, leads our HR department. He gets up and leads what I would call one of those goofy youth group games. <laughs> yeah, so, and he so, makes so everyone good. compete. It's so dumb. If it's, oh, your, it's if it's your birthday month, you have to be in the competition. Yes. And the winner gets this honking big prize, a $10 Starbucks gift card. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, might be five. Uh, yeah. Might be $5. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Cutbacks. <laughs> Pandemic. And so uh, they get up on the stage. They compete against one another. And we just have a great time celebrating with one another. We do that. We do that once a month here. Yeah. And I just think that's, you know, just little things that you can come up with, again, to create laughter, to create fun, to work hard, play hard, emotional connection, all of that. And it doesn't have to be expensive. And at Family Church, it's not because I told you the the big prize is the $5 Starbucks Mm -hmm. uh, gift card. (laughs) All right, Robbie, number eight. Celebrate God's stories and team accomplishments. Uh, Celebration is so huge. So I think we can't just point out what we want to happen. We have to point out what is happening. Mm. If all the talk is just about what should happen, people are going to start to question whether it ever can happen. Right. But so so we're casting vision for what needs to happen and for how it's already happening. So people go, oh, wait, we're doing it. Like the, the balls won't. That's very motivating to, to hear stuff like that. So especially if it's a peer. All right. So if here's a thought. If all the stories of success are from the top leaders, uh, that may not be as motivating as we think. But when it's from a, a peer of someone on the team, then they go, oh, that guy did it. Man, God's working in his life. I, mm. God, God can do that in my life as well. So, man, celebrating those stories, I think, just provides a ton of motivation. And, Leslie, you really facilitate a lot of that with our team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of fun, again, each week telling stories that we see happen each week with people coming to Christ or getting baptized. I mean, we had a fun story this week about a young man named Mars who uh, <laughs> prayed to receive Christ, a little boy. That's his first name. That's yes. his first name, Mars. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then also, you know, we do some with video and website and just reminding people that God is at work here, telling life change stories, telling stories about people getting married, telling stories about, you know, kids doing the kids new believers class and groups getting together and serving one another and ministering to one another. So we just love to tell the stories of everything that God is doing and really Mm -hmm. celebrating, I mean, big things like launching a campus. We try Mm -hmm. to celebrate that across the board. So anything that you're doing, it doesn't have to be always big, just those small accomplishments, but telling the story. And like you said, Robbie, people aren't going to believe it unless they see something happening. So you can be saying, this is happening, this is happening. Well, let me connect that with an actual person and an actual life. And as we do that, more and more people get motivated, not only by the vision, but by that personally, I could also do this. And again, I think that's not a function of the size of the organization of the church because, you know, find something to celebrate that you've been casting vision for. And some of that strategic vision casting, some of your vision needs to be beyond the predictable results of talent and effort. (laughs) It's okay for components of that to be within the predictable results of talent and effort. So you have some things to celebrate. And when you're, especially when you're trying to create momentum or if you have come into an organization that's sort of at a, at a hope and a momentum deficit, then you sort of this idea of stacking some small wins is really, really important. And when you get one, you got to celebrate it. So 
uh, if you have to, you know, scrounge around in the bottom of the barrel and come up with something to celebrate. Hey, we got our air conditioning fixed. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's better than the alternative. Right. So, so that's where I think just finding things to celebrate. All right, Pastor Aaron, last one. Number nine, be enthusiastic about what we're doing. If you as the leader are not enthusiastic, uh, yeah. no one else will be. That's so your right. enthusiasm level, if it's a 10, the people that you're leading will probably be at an eight that's or seven. Correct. And so you have to lead the way and be excited about it. And look, enthusiasm is free. It, it doesn't free. cost you anything. So be motivated that. about it. If you're not, then find something to be motivated about. Right. And even if you're an introvert and, and it's against your personality, you've got to lead the way and your enthusiasm has got to lead uh, in terms of the organization. Yeah. And out of everyone at the table, I believe that Robbie is the only one who actually played college football. So Robbie, <laughs> tell us about what you learned in your college football experience about enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, so t- just to be clear, my stint in college football was very, very small. I've already hyped you up. Like, go, you're still more than anyone else. Like my stature. My, my time there <laughs> was very small, like me. No, I, so I will, I'll, I'm going to jump back actually to You're trying school. to transcend the predictable results. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. I didn't realize it, but that's what I was trying to do. If you allow me, I'm going to jump back to high school football days where my dad was the head football mm. coach. Interestingly, my dad is also about 5'7", but you talk about motivating. I mean, he was so fired up all the time. And we'd get out on the field and it's it's two days. It's August. Whoa, it feels amazing out here. No, it doesn't. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. But he was so excited to be out there. And what I loved is if somebody did something wrong, he jumped them good. But man, when somebody did something right, it was even more. His mm. emotion went even higher when somebody did something right. And he would go off the chart with mm. excitement when a player finally got like, oh, I've got to keep contain on the sweep. Yeah, you do. And when he finally got it, man, he'd go mm. crazy. I learned so much from my dad about enthusiasm. He got us to believe stuff that wasn't true. <laughs> it we and, can beat this team. And any preacher who can't do that yeah. is not worth it. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, he would motivate us with his enthusiasm to believe yeah. stuff that wasn't really true. And then we'd go make it true because he made us believe it. Yeah, isn't that good. amazing how That's that really can happen? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wonder, uh, Aaron and Leslie, I mean, Robbie, you've kind of already shared one. If you like to share, maybe I'd love to hear about a person from your life that's probably not in our organization now that has been a motivator to you over the course of your life. Let's start with you, Aaron. Yeah. So uh, I came to Christ when I was 15 years old in central Florida and my youth pastor named Keith Tarkington. Love the Tark. Yeah. Just an incredible motivator. And as a high school kid, who barely read any of the scriptures, he allowed me to get up and teach the Bible. And I mispronounced almost every name and place in there, but still doing it. he motivated me to teach the Bible. I'm still mispronouncing. Yeah. But he motivated me to do it and yes. uh, just grew a love and desire inside of me that I didn't even know was there. Mm. And kind of like what Robbie said, he called something out of me that, that I had no idea was inside of there. That's what motivators do. Man. And I tell you, Keith was so great at that in your life and in so many others mm-hmm. that I've had the privilege of interacting with because of uh, because of him. And that's a great one. How about you, Leslie? I mean, the first person that comes to my mind is a man who led our Young Life Club when I was in high school. His name is Fred Nelson. And he really poured into in our Montana. lives. In Montana. Mm-hmm. Billings, Montana. He poured into our lives a group of us that, that pressed into him, like you talk about, pressed into those who pressed into you. And so we pressed into him and he discipled us, he and his wife. And then years later, when I was called to teach the Bible, I went and talked to Fred. And Fred said to me, this is going to date me a little. He said, do you have any, like, Bible study software. And I said, I don't. (laughs) On my floppy drive. Right. Basically on a disc. So he said, go down to the local Christian bookstore, tell them that Fred sent you and you get whatever you need 
to help you study the Bible. Wow. And so he made so that good. investment in me, yeah. and he was wow. enthusiastic Sweet. about this. I was teaching a woman's Bible study. It's not like I was, you know, standing up in front of thousands of people, but he mm. encouraged me and gave me a boost of enthusiasm in that way. So that's good. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful because if you think about from your dad to Keith to the young life leader, just think about, you know, years later, it's easy for you to be transported back to how you felt when they were speaking right. motivation into your life. Right. And I know that all of our uh, listeners on this podcast would feel the exact same way. And part of our role as spiritual leaders in organizations is to make people feel what Fred and Keith and Coach made you guys feel. Mm-hmm. But we need to make them feel it for Christ mm-hmm. and uh, for the mission that we're on in our in our churches and in our organizations. So to all of our uh, Church for the Rest of Us listeners, thanks for listening today. We hope you've heard something that's helped you motivate the people that you get to lead and influence. Feel free to share today's podcast with a friend. It would be awesome if you would leave a rating and a review. And it would be cool if you would drop us a question on our website, familychurchnetwork.com or on Twitter, And our Twitter handle is at Church Joes. Also, make plans to join us for Church for the Rest of Us Conference coming up quickly, February the 10th. It's going to be awesome. Culture of collaboration is the topic. Registration is live right now at FamilyChurchNetwork.com. Join us next week as we talk about the importance of being an innovator. As we like to say around here, you have to innovate or you die. This is Jimmy Scroggins signing off for Leslie Bennett, Aaron Filippo, and Robbie Christmas. Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.